better, five better, five better podcast. Five better, five better, five better podcast. Hello, welcome to Five Better Podcast. I'm Guy. I'm Tim. This is a show where we take a classic song and try to find five better songs based around a song's theme. Uh, to do this, we may use our extensive, I use that in brackets, musical knowledge. Um, we maybe have a personal connection with the song, or we might just talk about the rubbish and make it all up. Um, any of these approaches, of course, have their own merits. Uh, so this week, Jim, what song have we got? Well, the song this week, Kai, is, is, is another classic, as many ways are. This is um, Don't Stand So Close To Me by The Police, um, the mighty Gordon, Gordon Sumner, and uh, the bloke who's Courtney Cox's uncle, who I always forget his name, and the other bloke, they've got no idea, <laughs> when they were famously The Police. Um, so let's have a listen. David, police, don't stand so close to me. Uh, this was on uh, like their kind of big album, wasn't it? And um, I remember listening to this when I was growing up. This was like, a, I think either my brother or sister had this album. And uh, when it first came out, it played constantly. And this was just one of the, the big tunes on it. This is an eight, yeah, 1980 song, actually, September 1980. So I, I don't sort of like retrospectively, I guess, because I was only three when it came out. Um, yeah, the third album, Zenyatta Mondata. I would like to say I, I've got, I could even try and guess what that might mean. Mondata, Zenyatta Mondata? Go say it in a Geordie accent. Zenyatta Mondata. Mondata. Isn't that like a Ford Mondial? <laughs> Hope it's make a car, I don't know. Is it David Bowie's son, Zenyatta Mondata? Could be the, sounds like some sort of, like, I don't know, some weird dictator's son. Like Idi Amin. So this is, um, yeah, Gordon, Gordon Sumner, uh, a.k.a. Sting, Andy Summers, and that's a bit annoying, quite close names, Stuart Copeland, who famously is whose uncle? Courtney Cox, which is why she's pulled out of the crowd in a Bruce Springsteen video. What song is that? Dancing in the Dark. See, there is an extensive music knowledge in there, it's just not about this song. <laughs> Dig deep for it, don't you, Jim? To really yeah. get the pickaxe out for you. <laughs> I don't like surface stuff. I like to, you know, find a real interesting... Are you drinking a rosé there? I am drinking a rosé. We'll come to BT in a minute. Oh, sorry. 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 Don't jump ahead. Um, I guess what, I guess everyone, all two people that are listening, are probably going to go, hang on, why are you choosing this song? What's the relevance to this? So, it's a double whammy. First of all, we're in lockdown. I think we're going to call this episode our lockdown, our last episode of the lockdown trilogy. Thank and this, God. This, thank God for that. It's been going on forever, it feels like. Um, and this song, obviously, Don't Stand So Close to Me, has the uh, sort of connotations of sort of like distance and social distancing. Um, and the idea of the two meter rule now being relaxed to one. I mean, essentially, it's all gone, isn't it? Social so Don't Stand So Close to Me is the link, I suppose, and distancing is the theme. But the police as well, we've got a great name. So it's a link to that as well. A couple of things. This song, I think, is really interesting in its kind of delivery because it's kind of an anti-song isn't it most songs are about hey come over here baby stand next to me get out of my dreams get into my car in the ocean yeah um you know that that sort of thing and and this one's like push off <laughs> <laughs> don't stand as close to me please get away it's uh yeah i mean actually also it is about a teacher telling a young girl to just who's got a crush on him just basically go just leave me alone you're too it's you're too close. It's just, I mean, well, Sumner was a teacher, wasn't he? He was, wasn't he? He was an English teacher, I think he was back in, well, back in pre this. But I mean, and also, there's no, there's, it's not subtle, the song, is it? I mean, it starts with young teacher, the subject of schoolgirl fantasy. She wants him badly, knows what she wants to be. Inside her, there's longing, Jim. I didn't say Jim. Inside, there's longing. Jim. <laughs> I mean, don't stand so close. I'd, I'd be at least a mile away. Yeah, it's a little, still a little bit creepy, and it's not yeah. necessarily from the teacher-student point of view, but from the student towards the teacher. Yeah, it starts off like, well, okay, this, this is a bit awkward for the for the teacher involved. 
and we're assuming Sumner here is the sort of the protagonist in his, sto his own story. It goes then to um, temptation, frustration, so bad it makes him cry. I've got a feeling been leading him on a little bit. I don't know where we're taking this now. Well, I think that's why. I think we're so driving down an avenue. <laughs> I don't know. This is why Sumner changed his name. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly did. Well, I feel like that was so. That was my next thing. The first thing is the the, the sentiment of this song is a bit weird. The next thing is why did he call himself Sting? It's like don't get me wrong. I think it's quite. It stood the test of time. Yeah. When he was a teacher, was he Mister Sting? Mister Sumner, wasn't he? Or it was it's Mister Four. You get it, but maybe, maybe to yeah, maybe to this young girl, he was Mister Sting. Oh, his entrapment. It was the Sting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's also, yeah, Sting. It is quite, actually, it's quite, it's quite a cool little name, Sting. David Bowie will call his kid Sting. But, uh, yeah, it, but also knowing what he's like now, Sting, or knowing what he's been like since the you know, 80s onwards in his solo career, he's massively pretentious. He is, but there's parts of his pretentious I really like, actually. I think, I think well, the good thing about it is he's actually really talented, so I don't, you can sort of forgive him a little bit. Yeah, um, I really liked that. Um, and I thought it was a really clever title, The Ten Summoners Tales. I thought that's got some really good songs on it. And uh, is that got and, is that uh, got Lose My Faith? I think it has, yeah. And it's got um, The Shape of Your Heart that's played at the end of Leon. Um, and it's got Fields of Gold. I know we're not talking about any of those songs, but I really like those. Oh, it's probably me. That's quite a cool song. Like and Seven Days, yeah. Not the Craig David song. <laughs> Shame, really. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, and he is, I think he is really talented. He was the bass player in The Police, wasn't he? Yeah, he is the bass player. Yeah, or was the bass player, yeah. So doesn't he play the mandolin as well or something? He plays a yeah. lot, I think. Yeah, he plays, he plays like acoustic <laughs> and he, he can, he's pretty multi-instrumentalist. I think he's, um, he's really talented, no doubt. Um, and he can teach English as well. He can teach English. Well, he can teach him a few things, can't he? Sting was labelled with the, uh, almost like the pre-Russell brand, the sort of the sex addict, wasn't he? With like this tantric... Sex. Oh, his tantric sex, yeah. With uh, Trudy Styler, his sort of um, director wife. Or, um, He's really good friends with Sol Campbell, isn't she, Trudy Styler? I know she did a lot of like, didn't she do also fund and back like Lockstock and uh, sort of the big Brits movies like that. Solo artist aside, I mean, also, he's, he's been on for years, isn't he? I saw him recently. You know, you always have an image of someone. I mean, Sting's look has always recently been, well, his sort of heyday look was shirt off, wasn't it? Blonde, spiky hair, slash mullet, and then later on, sitting down, cross-legged, spiky haired mullet, <laughs> top off still. <laughs> the police always had that kind of reggae vibe about them, didn't they? They did, you know, and got, to be honest, it's, it's driven from um, Stuart Copeland, the drummer, who's he's amazing. He's a really good drummer. I think if you kind of talk to any musician, my brother Simon always says he's, he's, he's properly, he makes that kind of groove. And I've watched a couple of documentaries of Stuart Copeland. He talks about kind of how songs you, you expect to be played is often like on the... He'll sort of push the... A little bit syncopated. And he'll sort of just push the offbeat slightly. Essentially, well, reggae is. Which is the reggae beat, isn't yeah. it? The offbeat. So it's one of the few technical bits, of mu bits from music I know is that reggae played on the offbeat. So and I guess of that, uh, that late... Well, early 80s. Well, well, this song was at 1980, but... Um, I suppose that era was kind of, you can think about Scar, kind of probably seeped into that. And also, I don't know, they felt quite sort of not English, I think. Copeland is American. Copeland is American. I always felt like it felt quite New York, the band. His song later on, Eng Englishman in New York, sort of, you know, might have like. Uh, yeah, that was another good song. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's good, Sting. Um, so, songs about distance. Link to Don't Stand So Close To Me. What do you reckon? What, what do you think, Jim? I've not really gone to town this week on finding stuff, if I'm honest. Okay. Uh, I've got some, actually, that's, that's not true. I've got some, I've got some absolutely banging tunes, but I've got some absolute stinkers as well. <laughs> and I've got some that I really don't like that I've put in because they're good distant songs. Okay. So I'm laughing because I'm thinking of your, uh, of your catchphrase, the soul roots, which you tried to get off the ground. But I think your new catchphrase is, Bangers and stinkers. Swag <laughs> for dinner. Booze talk, booze talk. What you drinking tonight? Okay, go on then. What are you drinking? That's what you're sniffing in a rose. I'm sniffing in a bit of a rose. It's the end of a bottle, and I've, uh, I've got to be honest, and I'm not, 
I'm not ashamed. This is this is all right, and it's an Audi drink. It's Toro Loco. Let me show you the bottle. There. Crazy bull. Crazy bull. Um, and you know what? I'm I, I, I quite like a good wine and rosé. I'm I can be a little bit kind of like forgiving if it's not as good as like a, mm. a nice tasting red, which obviously you know. I try and insist on a nice red, but I'm happy with the rosé if it's just kind of fairly quaffable. It's decent. It's all right. It's okay. And it comes in at a, a jaw-dropping jaw £3.45. Wowzers. I mean, you, mean, you, you know, you, you, you can taste a little bit of £3.45 in it, but a rosé, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. One of the best rosés I ever drank, I bought... Uh, coming back from France in those wine supermarkets <clears throat> and we drank it the night before so we knew it was good and we went and bought a load it was about three three euros two euros fifty yeah so we bought like ten bottles of it and it was just delicious yeah it was just so nice you can get so, you can get lucky with those kind of prices can't you some are really bad that you go Jesus it's, even, it's not even worth £3.45 but there's it's absolutely fine on a summer's evening. We've had Gordon's summer's evening. It's been perfect. Um, so I've been, yeah, hitting a bit of that. And uh, yeah, sort of G&Ts occasionally, but sort of just ending up with a nice rosé. been pretty decent. And I can see you've got something uh, that I just mentioned. Have you got gin? Yeah, I'm on the, uh, I'm on the gin and tonic. Nice. Uh, but it's not just any gin. It's a Whiteley and Neil. They do different kind of flavours like raspberry stuff. Yeah, Whiteley and Neil. This is a rhubarb gin. Ignore it. It's delicious. It's dangerously delicious. It's, uh, <laughs> I, had, I had one glass last night and I had to have another one last night as well. Yeah. And I woke up with a bit of a stinker because it's also 43%. And uh, yeah, I sort of got a big glass, may as well have a double, you know, I didn't want to drown it out with the tonic. Oh, yeah, so course, yeah. I do you know what I haven't had gin for quite a while and uh this one's just been going down really nicely. Okay. I'm I'm rolling for you Jim, am I? Here we go Jim, I'm gonna roll you on my virtual digital dice and you've got a number six. It's big, this is big. This is a uh, uh, a wonderful tune. Um I really knew the tune, but didn't know who did it. For some reason, I thought it was someone else. But this tune uh, that I think is better than uh, than the police with "Don't Stand So Close to Me" is "Radar Love" by Eero. Okay, there we go. Radar Love by um, Dutch rock band Golden Earrings. Came out in 1973. It was voted in the top 50 best driving songs of all time. Uh, ultimate driving song, top 50. It, I think it's just great. I was saying to you as we were just listening to it there, uh, it, like, it kind of starts, kind of leads in a nice start, and then that bass line comes in, and the drum is like... Mm. And... Um, yeah, it's, I think it's it's classic rock, and I I think I always thought it was. I, I came to it late, but I had it on uh, Rockstar Superstar on the uh, PlayStation. You know when you've got the guitar, yeah. and it was a brilliant one to play on the guitar. So you're pressing the buttons, it goes. There's some good instrumentals where you can stand there, legs spread, clapping your hands over your head for the crowd, um, like really going for it at four o'clock in the morning. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a great song. It's, it's a great song to dance to. Uh, I, I think the lyrics are great. I think it's just funky. It's kind of it's got it's a it's quite a hard rock song, but it's got that kind of funk element to it. It sort of reminds me a little bit. I don't know why. Some sort of I don't know. It should be like on a soundtrack to like Pulp Fiction or something. It's got a kind of coolness, but like I said, a bit of a cool sort of swagger to it. Um, and I think I've seen it, I've heard it on an advert recently. I can't think where. But I didn't know it's by Golden Golden. Is it Golden Earrings? I never knew. Uh, it's 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 under the genre of hard rock, stroke progressive rock. I, I always used to get it confused with like um, uh, Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath, that sort of thing. Do you know? It reminds me a little bit of it. Was, it sounds a little bit like um, quite easy to see it being in a sort of a Kings of Leon kind of set as well. Mm. Yeah, so it's a, it's a good tune, isn't it? It's been covered by a lot of people. U2, REM, Blue Man Group, 
yeah, I, I really like it. Um, radar love. So I suppose you're thinking the theme of distance and radar. Because radar is sound bounced across the thing. And the whole idea of this song is he's driving home. Uh, been driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. It's my baby calling. Says, I need you here. And it's half past four and I'm shifting gear. This is poetry. When she is lonely and the longing gets too much, she sends a cable coming in from above. Don't need no phone at all. We've got a thing that's called radar love. It's not a school kid standing next to you. Yeah, it's um, it's no, it's definitely not about um, it's not a, it's not a schoolgirl kind of longing for a teacher, is it? This is this is big boy mm. stuff now, Jim. This is, you know, this is messing with the big boys now. Do you know what? I think because, and I'm going to say, it is a better song, and I think it's. Also, not because it's the only song that I know of theirs, because actually it is the only song I know of them. I didn't actually know who they were, um, but actually it is a, it's a it's a good song. And considering it is 1973, what is 47 years old, it's pretty much, I think it stands the test of time. Um, and I'm not so sure. Don't stand so close to me. Kind of does doesn't say it doesn't move me in a way that kind of. You can, you said about some of their other songs would if we were comparing it to some other police songs well, I think exactly and I, think, I think this is the problem probably police are going to have and Sumner Esquire et al have, is that this is not their greatest biggest song no it's, yeah, I mean it's got, quite a big one of theirs but it's Dutch not, rock it's, it's not driving home trying to get some radar love exactly <laughs> so uh, yeah I'm going to say it, it is better there it is radar love of course it's better, yeah, in your face, Sumner. Well, that was a good start. I'm happy with that. I was really <laughs> pleased with that song, actually. That was, uh, I thought that was a great, great find. It's a song I do really like, even though I haven't known it for that long. I do really like it. No, it's good. It's good. Nice. Cool. Right. Go for it. <clears throat> uh, right. Okay. I'm going to roll for you. Here we go. Digital dice. Digital dice. And you... I've got a three. Okay, modern-ish. It is Blur, 1999 song, No Distance Left to Run. So that's Blur's uh, No Distance Left to Run. Um, it's on that album they released uh, called 13, which is like, uh, had Tender and Coffee and TV, which is actually really good. One of my favorite mm. songs. I think it's quite. A, it's a really good album. This one. I kind of. Um, I'd forgotten about it. I think kind of after sort of like part life and and I will talk about the song in a second. But part life and uh, modern life is always before that and the great the great escape, which was after part life. And then mm. they, they kind of and towards the end of the nineties, kind of like a lot of that kind of indie or Britpop music rather was kind of. Uh, sort of falling out of favour, I think, and certainly Oasis kind of had kind of gone a little bit by the wayside by then. I still think they, they, Blur were still bringing out some really good albums and, and really good tunes, and this is one of my favourite of theirs. Um, I certainly think it's one of their best songs, actually. Although it's not one of their most cheery songs, and you know, if, if Blur's kind of associated with Knees Up, Mother Brown, sort of you know Cockney uh, jellied eels, this is come. Kind of, it's the antithesis. It's really the opposite of everything you'd expect from Blur and I think um, obviously the link to it is No Distance Left mentions literally the title of our theme uh, No Distance Left to Run but it's obviously about a breakup and um, it's his breakup with Justine Frischman who is a lead singer of Elastica but it was um, I think they've been split up for quite a while I think so but I think it was kind of like a I think he was finally almost putting it to sort of bed um, and uh, yeah, it's kind of it's quite heartbreaking, you know. It's pretty it is pretty much heart on your sleeve kind of lyrics. Um, you know, it starts with "It's over." You don't need to tell me. <laughs> I hope you're with someone who makes you feel safe in your sleep. I mean, it's 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 pretty honest, pretty open. You know, he's he's massively, in fact, in similar vein of Sting. You know, Damon Albarn, the lead singer, is kind of very pretentious, and he you know he comes across as very pretentious. But actually, I think yeah. He's art school, isn't he? He's art school, yeah. He's art school, and he's, um, you know, he's very knowing, and he's very, you know, his lyrics are quite clever. Some, some kind of really just kind of miss it, I think, a little bit. But I think for this, it's very honest, and actually, um, what what he had perfectly, which is what kind of I think 
Morrissey had with Johnny Marr. He had he had Graham Coxon, who's he's an amazing <clears> guitar player who really complements everything um, that he sings and vice versa. I think really well. And I think I think for me, what makes the song really amazing is is the guitar playing from Graham Coxon, which is which is as all his stuff is very kind of catchy, but it just does enough. It doesn't do any more. Doesn't kind of no superfluous stuff with it. It's just yeah, sort of very very kind of just efficient in what it does and. Um, yeah, also it's got a really nice use of kind of like um, sort of backing vocal and kind of almost gospel choir kind of coming in um, towards mm. the end of the song, which I, thought, I think he sort of, they had it in the song Tender as well, quite a big, uh, big song. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a brilliant song. And they had, they had a documentary in 2010 released, which was called No Distance Left to Run, which is a really good, uh, you know, biography of the band, um, which, you know, everyone should watch if they like it. But um, yeah, it's, it is, um, it's a it, great song. It's a really good song. And I think... What I found, what I thought was interesting was when you said it's not kind of what they're known for because they're a bit knees up Mother Brown and Jelly Neal's. I always think with Blur, for me, my favourite songs of theirs are the ones that aren't knees up Mother Brown and Jerry, yeah. Jelly Neal's. I'm not the biggest fan of Park Life. I'm not the biggest fan of Girls and Boys. No. But then I like things like Universal. I like yeah. um, Tender. Um, I like um, Song 2, obviously, is, yeah. uh, is a great song. But anything that's a bit more edgy of theirs, or I don't know, just not, just not that kind of... I, did, I never really bought into that Knees of that Mother Brown stuff, and I didn't really like them for that. And at the time, like, when their main songs, for me, the, I, the, the songs that I knew of theirs were the ones that were in the charts. I was kind of like, oh, I, don't, not, I just don't like Blur. It's only when I listened to the albums and the, the songs that were played on the, ra- on the radio all the time mm-hmm. like, were all the kind of girls who like Bobby, who like Park Life, and, and it's like, I just, just didn't like it. Still don't like it. I still don't like those songs, but there's so many songs. Their greatest hits album has got amazing songs on it, and the, the Jenny Deals ones aren't that. No, they're not. Um, and I think Coffee, Coffee and TV, which I think is... You can name, I can name three, those three songs that I mentioned. No Distance Left to Wrong, Coffee and TV and Tender are three completely... You know it's, you know it's them because you're the singer, but and the, uh, there's certain little things they do in each song which kind of is very blur. But actually, they're completely different songs. Almost styles and... Um, it's, a really, it's a really good... And also, you know the fact that I think that album was the last album before Graham Coxon kind of just basically walked out on him and I think he started doing one album with him afterwards and kind of walked out after that not finishing it um, <clears throat> and then he didn't come back to about sort of like 10, 12, 15, I think 2015 Magic Whip album um, so there's lots of kind of within the album sort of lots of kind of tensions uh, sort of evolving within sort of the making of it which I think makes quite good you know makes quite a good story but it's also quite good um, knowing a bit about how things were kind of possibly put together. Maybe the songs are a little bit about that as well. Um, you know, him falling out of with, you know, his fucking songwriting partnership. Um, um, I suppose it must be difficult when you're kind of hands over fist with people all the time and you're kind of... Yeah. Like, I mean, you've like, got a... God, I mean, there's no other way. It was released in bloody oh, it's like late 80s. I think. That's, see, that's another or, good song. That's another really good song. That was their first hit. I mean, so you think about far they've come and obviously there's... They do bits here. Yeah, that must have been that must have been eighty eight. I think it was around ninety one. But yeah, Sharks and that it very sort of fell it. So they sort of started off kind of shoegazy, kind of you know that kind of hippie indie, and then they sort of went into sort of indie with uh, Modern Life is Rubbish and holding uh, for Tomorrow that song, which is a really good song. And then obviously Part Life sort of sent them off in different leagues, didn't it? Pretty much biggest band in Britain, if not you know. It's not the world at some point in that era, weren't they? So, yeah, and their biggest songs were the ones I bloody hated. <laughs> well, <exactly. Yeah. laughs> it's it's one of those really odd paradoxes, and I don't. It just didn't. Those ones just didn't resonate with me. No, I think. But then you can sort of say that's that's not a bad thing, is it? Because actually, they had lots of songs which clearly were catchy, pop. Yeah, no, I think I don't think it's a negative at all. I actually quite like the fact that I don't like the ones that they're makes me feel like kind of very snooty and very user. Uh, yes, I don't like the, those cockney rubbish ones. So, okay, let's come down to grading the song. Is this a better song? Of course it is. Of course it's a better song. 
Um, the only way I can judge this is I would rather listen to this song than listen to Don't Stand So Close To Me. And I think, again, we're probably probably coming into the, the bracket of Sting, Copeland and Summers are suffering here because their song about distancing is not their best. Um, exactly. There's certainly a few songs that I, that I would definitely put above this, but that that isn't one of them. So, 2 nil to us. Right, Jim, I'm going to roll for you. Get ready. So, 2 nil to us. And I'm going to roll for you a number one. Number one. Okay. Right. <clears throat> this this one's a bit marmite, I suppose. I think most people love this, but some people really hate it, and I can't decide which you are. So we're going for the Proclaimers with I Know I'm Gonna Be, brackets, 500 miles, plays brackets. The Proclaimers, the most unlikely pop duo there ever was. I mean, to be fair to the guys, they can sing, but they're not lookers, are they? And they came out in the 80s when it was all about how good you looked and all the, you know, the, what they called Pit Factory were in full swing and it was, all the soap stars were making their name as pop divas. And uh, out from Edinburgh, were they from Edinburgh or Glasgow? Uh, Edinburgh, yeah, Edinburgh. Yeah. Edinburgh, yeah. So out of Edinburgh come two bespectacled twins and uh, warbling away about uh, 500 miles. Uh, it's a good, I like the way it's done as a march. It's about walking a long way and it's played as a march, isn't it? I remember a few episodes ago, uh, episodes of ours ago, you talked about um, Come on Eileen and how, uh, yeah. <laughs> At four, three o'clock in the morning in the night time when it comes on, your arm round everybody, two in the middle, with yeah. kicking your legs. Can-can-esque, yeah. Yeah, giving it all that. And this is one of those ones, it's like the nightclub cheesy section, because everyone sings along, everyone knows the bloody words. Most people put their hands up to their eyes to create glasses. <laughs> and it's, it's always, for me, it's weird. I, I, I still, I mean, I should look it up, I suppose, if I could be bothered, but what is hadering? What is hadering? Hadering. Hadering? Well, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man that's hearing next to you. <laughs> is that hithering as in H-I-T-H? No, it's, yeah, it's fine then. Lyrics, for goodness sakes. And if I haver up, yeah, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who's havering to you. Uh, in Scottish English, haver from the Scottish mm -hmm. haver oats means to oh. maunder, to talk foolishly, to chat. Oh. A bit. Oh, right, so it means to talk rubbish to someone. Fair enough, I like it even more now. Well done. It was released in 1988. Uh, and re-released in the US in 1993 and re-released again in 2000. I mean, for goodness sakes. We're getting into the top 50 songs I wish I'd written here because it's, uh, <laughs> it's going to have made him a load of money. It's been counting countless films. It was in a, that brilliant film with Johnny Depp and um, Aidan Quinn, Benny and great film in, in the early 90s. Um, Peter Kay and Matt Lucas did it for the Comic Relief. Mm -hmm. uh, it was in that, um, uh, what was that film? Sunshine on the Leaf. Yes, the famous uh, musical where Dexter Fletcher directed it, yeah. How oh, is that Dexter Fletcher? Yeah. Uh, I think it is one of those classically simple songs. That's what I mean about the march. There's no com complication in the beat. There's no complication in what goes on. It's, yeah. And it plays to their strengths of their... Um, and, it's, and I like the call and response. Um, you know, when I come home, when I come home, well, I know I'm going to... And also, it's, they've set up a structure there where it says, when I'm doing this, well, I know I'm going to be when I'm doing this, or, or if I do this, yeah. well, I know I'm gonna, so it, once that kind of verse structure's been set up, you know, he's, he's come up with about, I don't know, four or five, maybe six different things that are gonna happen. It's great, it's got a great chorus, you know, and it's, it's, it's crying out, and it does literally cry out for the dud da da yeah, as you say, the common response is a dud. And if you look at the lyrics, da 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 da
It all goes very it sort of like um, what is it? What's the um? Uh, it's it's gone sort of like it's sort of very sort of a western. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Bonanza or the the ride of the Lone Ranger. Uh, so yeah, so it's got a great verse idea, it's got a wicked chorus, and the, the chorus response for the da da da's. I mean, if you do that and it it catches on, you could you don't have to sing that song at concert because everyone's going to sing it for you. Exactly. There's a brilliant um, interview with uh, Niall Rogers that I saw, and. Um, when he wrote Everybody Dance, yeah. everybody dance, do 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 do, clap your hands, clap your hands. And Bernard, uh, the other guy, he um, he said to he said to Noel Rogers, what, what the hell is do 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 do? What sort of lyric is that? And Noel Rogers went, no, no, go with it, it's good, it's good. <laughs> People <laughs> like it. And it's like, it is that kind of writing rubbish that makes a good song, doesn't it? It's the confidence in what you've, the rubbish that you've written. Also, you know that in some ways the crowds are going to sing the sort of part, you know what I mean? I know when we saw the Stone yeah. Roses, as soon as the kind of um, the resurrection, I'm the resurrection, everyone's going, duh, 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 duh. especially the man trying to lick his own armpit in front of us. <laughs> but you know, so, you know, why, why waste it on a lyric when you know they're just going to sing, you know? If you've got a catchy hook, just sing the hook. <laughs> if yeah. you do da buddy bee, da da da, have a da, 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 da. So, so 500 miles, so that's the link to distance. Uh, is it a better song? You know what? We're hitting some of the songs that make these artists. And uh, you brought out the radar, love, and now you brought out the 500 miles. And it is, it's a better song. So, we've, uh, it's, a sh- it's a short RP list, but it's, it's a biggie. It's, uh, it's, it's the heavyweight Cuban uh, songstress that is Margarita Placatan. Margarita Placatan. <laughs> Who's absolutely bonkers. I mean, <laughs> what a fantastic act. I think the best thing about her was that I think she wasn't meant to be like a novelty act. She actually was a sort of a genuine kind of Cuban, authentic kind of Cuban singer, but but got it as well. And she could, she, she wasn't quite aware that it was kind of a, a bit of a figure of fun, but she was great. She was lovely. She was wicked. There was, I saw a tweet and I can't remember what the bloody tweet was, but it was something along the lines of this guy had seen, was seeing, so he'd made a comment about Marguerite's practice yeah. and how good she was and how funny she was or something like that. And she just happened to be stood behind him and went, oh, darling, thank you so much. <laughs> and sort of, Steve, I saw it on Twitter yesterday, I can't remember who did it, but I did think that she was just, I mean, she did just look like a mad old housewife with a feather boa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just used to love, like, those uh, late night with Clive James shows. I mean, they were quite late as well, weren't they? They were like 11 o'clock in the evening on a yeah, Friday. They, or they, I thought they were maybe Sunday night, perhaps. I remember watching them quite late going, I shouldn't, shouldn't be up this late watching them. It, it was definitely a Saturday or a Sunday because yeah. I wouldn't have watched them on a uh, Friday or a Saturday because I wouldn't have watched them on a Sunday. Weren't they around the time of like Friday Night Live and Saturday Night Live? So they yeah, might have been. Yeah, um, yeah, quite possibly <coughs> like that. It was definitely that sort of year, wasn't it? it? And then he'd be there with his kind of squinty face going, and here she is again, the wonderful, the greatest singer in the world, Margarita Prakatan. And then she'd come on and like look a character away around him. <laughs> she had the um, but, she had the sort of the similar vibe to Dame Edna's kind of is it Mar is it Margaret or Marge? Marge yeah. <laughs> That's that kind of like playing off of each other, sort of just the old person and the old person. Yeah. And it was like he Ultimately, he was taking the piss, but you knew that he was doing it out of love. He was never like being particularly mean to her because he did like they got on really well, didn't they? They were always sort of they were always friends, and it was kind of a really nice relationship that he just used to be. It was almost like a, a, a husband berating a wife in front of everybody, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh God, yeah. she's off again. Yeah, it felt like he had, he had to almost give in to the fact that she was going to do a song. So it's like, okay, here she, here she is again. Yeah. <laughs> She's contracted to do it. She's got it. I saw she. I watched it today. Actually, she did a great one with um, Lana Rich's "Hello," <laughs> the Cuban style, and it's it's obviously it's brilliant. But you can also see on the if you watch it on YouTube, it's, it's, he's just interviewed Ben Elton, and uh, it took me yeah. a while to realise it was him because yeah. obviously it's just a few years ago, so he looks a lot younger. But um, 
<laughs> she's singing a song, Ben Elton's at the side doing some very groovy sit down, sort of like dancing with his arms. <laughs> ben, what are you doing? Come on. Hello. Okay, yeah, good, right, there we go. So, well, 3 0 up, that's a good, good start. Now, let's see if we can go for the whitewash. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> um, okay, so, Guy, I'm going to roll for you. And I'm going to roll the digital dice. Digital dice, digital dice. Come on, a digital dice. There we go. And you've got a four. Ah, good, good link this to a distance. Uh, this is Close to Me by The Cure. Yeah, The Cure, 1985, this song was released from their sixth album. They've been out for so long, I keep forgetting. Mm -hmm. um, I think Robert Smith was turned 60 recently, which has always staggered me. Yeah. Um, and again, if you've got one look, you stick with it. And he's done that. But initially, he didn't have that look. Did he? Have you seen some of the early stuff when he had kind of a... He did um, have more of a kind of a... He saw a little bit more sort of Bauhaus, <coughs> but um, he went electrified clown look. If you've got one look, and he's, he, he, he rocks it. Close to me. And again, this song, I don't think really sums up the cure necessarily. A bit like No Distance Left to Run does with Blur. Um, but maybe it does. And I think Cure are one of these bands that are quite eclectic. So they kind of go into kind of heavy goth territory where their songs can go on for 10 minutes. They can do pop songs like Friday I'm In Love. Uh, they can do kind of quite quirky songs, which I think this kind of falls into, a bit like the Love Cats. I think Close To Me is kind of on that kind of sort of shelf of their kind of back catalogue. Um, and it's great. It's got such a good catchy little synth hook with a little uh, plinky plonky sound at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I... I, love, I mean, I love, the, I love the lyrics about it. I think it's, um, I've waited about, I mean, it's got a great open line. I've waited for hours for this. I've made myself so sick. I wish I'd stayed asleep today. Some nice little rhythm to it, I quite like. Um, and also the chorus doesn't really have that kind of big chorus that you'd expect in most songs. It just kind of, um, I think the verses almost feel like they're the choruses. Mm. Um, I think you, right, have, you, um, have the, you have the melody, which is that, that hook I mentioned, and then it goes into the verse. But the chorus kind of almost feels like a bit of a middle eight, I think. So structure-wise, I'm quite, I quite like that idea. Um, it's quite Morrissey and Marr to do that, isn't it? The Smiths did that loads yeah. with not actually having a, a chorus in the song or, you know, yeah, nothing yeah. to really kind yeah, of grip to. Know, songs like the Cemetery Gates doesn't really have a... Yeah. Is it? Um, Headmaster Ritual. Yeah. So I, like, so I like that idea of the song. I also think... Um, I like the song, the way the song sort of built, there's lots of layers come in, so suddenly we have a hand claps. Um, and yeah, then again, the sort of syncopation we talked about earlier kind of happens, and sort of a breath mentioned. So you sort of feel they're finding their way in the studio, just have, have, having different layers. And again, it's just a, such an odd, odd kind of song. And then it kind of goes into, at the end, some sort of like big brass sax trumpet playoff sort of um, jewel. And at the end, and they sort of have this kind of just a kind of riff off at the end. So, so the song kind of goes off in somewhere completely different. Um, and then if you sort of tie in with that, the idea of the, the videos, which I, I, watch, I like watching the whole videos of bands, the whole of them, they're all set, I think it's, they're in a wardrobe on a cliff. It does feel kind of, kind of gothic-esque in terms of their kind of what they are as a band. It feels like they're in some sort of like Dracula's kind of coffin. Um, <coughs> And they're all playing very sort of weird instruments like cones and stuff. But um, yeah, it's a great, it's a weird song. One of their songs that when, you know, I, I don't claim to be a massive Cure fan, but I, I like the Cure. I think they're really good live. And I think a mutual friend whose dad's the uh, lighting designer for them, uh, Trina, has been with them for years. And I think they put on a really good show. I mean, I, went, I watched recently, because Glastonbury's this weekend, it should be. Um, some of the back sort of like performances and I think Cure played last year. Their shows are breathtaking. I mean, it's just such a visual sight. It's not nothing, there's no screen. It's not like a Coldplay, it's not all the YouTube, it's no big screens. It's just, it's just really, the mood of their shows are, are really kind of, um, it's really quite impressive. And, uh, you know, they've been around for donkey's years. Uh, and they, they have such a loyal following. I, I like the, I like Cure fans. You know, I like, I like that kind of, uh, you know, they very much look like they should look. And I think, 
And I think this is, I think if, if goth is kind of like, because it can be quite quirky, I think definitely the QR. When I first went to Sixth Form College, first Sixth Form College I went to, there was a girl in the year above, but she was like, she used to drive a Volkswagen Beetle. She used to have her hair, <laughs> Einstein a go-go, like Robert yeah. Smith. She would always listen to The Cure. She used to wear like big jumpers, Doc Martin boots, big baggy jeans, this big, long, fucking, like, um, not a Mac, but like, a, not, not, not quite a trench coat. You know, this kind of sort of business coat, old business coat sort of thing. So material. She used to wear that and she like looked the part. I mean, she, like people used to call her Robert Smith. She absolutely looked the part, but she was, proper like you say she's proper cure fan is like this is this is what i do i do shit i listen to the cure so everyone else piss off the, the goths is still very much sort of still out there I mean, if you ask kids now they, they sort of know what goths are I missed a little bit the idea of goths and the emos kind of fall into that kind of just that odd i suppose in, in sort of quotation marks kind of category of people who dress a certain way but a goth's a goth and I think they, I think Cure are great because they actually don't. I mentioned Bauhaus, but Cure are really good. They're good songwriters, and I think they don't mind doing pop stuff. It's not like goth tragedy, is it? No. Like you know, there's a lot of that. There's that kind of um, perception of goth that it's all like pale and tragic, and oh, woe is me, and I hate my life. And when you listen to Friday, I'm in love. It's a really fucking happy tune. Oh, should, should, yeah, sorry, yeah. shouldn't swear on the on the podcast, but it is. It's really happy, G. Uh, this close to you is like it's a real kind of love song sort of thing, isn't yeah. it? You know, it's that. Yeah, really well. Just great songs, you know. But boys don't cry, obviously. Yeah, um, that's one of the really early yeah. stuff, isn't it? So you know, that's sort of nineteen eighty. But um, <coughs> fact, they're still they're still you know still performing and still. I mean, their, I think their sound doesn't really kind of massively. I don't want to say it doesn't date, because but I think it's very them, and I think you can. They don't need to necessarily. You know, certain bands you go, okay, that sounds like it was made in the seventies. Uh, you know, yeah. maybe not as cool now, but like I think the Cure songs, because they've got such a range of different songs. Mm. You, know, you, you watch their set and go, oh yeah, oh, yeah I can sort of see how they kind of transformed, or they still they still sound really good. Um, also, but it's about five or six of them on stage. There's quite a few kind of. We're surprised by how many guitar players are on stage with him and stuff. And three groups that kind of really link together on that, and it's the Cure. And who did she sell? I can't say it. She sells Sanctuary. Oh, the Cult. The Cult, yeah. The Cure, Cult, and Curiosity killed the cat. No, <laughs> no, that was Ben. Curiosity with the guitar player for oh, the, damned. Um, the Damned, yeah, those three, they, they were like, they were like the holy trinity of yeah, that kind yeah. of goth thing. Uh, and they were brilliant, they were brilliant. Right, okay, I'm gonna vote. Yeah. The votes have been cast, the votes are in. <laughs> and after several gin and tonics, and for the girl at St. Vincent City Form Gully, who used to dress like Robert Smith and drive a Beatle, this is the better song. Right, last song, Jim. Last song. Gonna, is it going to be, a, like I said, is it going to be a whitewash? Um, I'm going to roll for you, and you've got a number two. Excellent. I'm glad this one's come up. This is the soul roots for the day. This is the mighty Edwin Starr with 25 Miles. Mighty uh, Edwin Starr, 25 miles from home. Probably his second most famous hit. It's right behind War, Her, What Is It Good For? Absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> no, say it again. <laughs> War, Her, What Is It Good For? Okay, it, it was actually his first um, success uh, from when he moved to Motown. Uh, so it was recorded in 1968 released in 1969. Um, it is just, Edwin Starr doesn't do simple songs. It just does some bangers. And <laughs> this is one of them. It's just great cinema. I know, as I was saying, 
a minute ago off air. Uh, I love the way it starts. I love that kind of come on feet, let's get going. Mm. And then he uh, and then he really thinks I think he's got a brilliant voice. He he's not one of the creamier soul singers like your Marvin Gaye's, your Otis Redding's, your kind of um, uh, Sam Cooke. Those kind of uh, those earlier guys who've got like the great voices and the great vocals. He's got a great voice and a great vocal, but he's really come along and he's pushing into the 70s. And he's got a real funk, funkadelic mm. uh, element to it, which I think is um, uh, makes him that little bit different. But he's he, he really plays to his strengths as a singer. It's the sort of songs he sings, you couldn't see. Otis Redding could probably carry this off. Uh, Otis Redding's got a, a voice that comes from his genitalia area. It's like it's... <laughs> It's just kind of hardcore, but um, Marvin Gaye did. Marvin Gaye was too too creamy, too soulful. Uh, same with Sam Cooke, but Edwin Collins, like his lyrics, his his voice just kicks you in the face. Uh, obviously, the link is twenty five miles, twenty five miles from home, distance, etc., etc. Um, just think it's a classic. Hear it in the club, just have to dance it. I suppose there's another kind of march kind of thing to it as well, isn't it? These songs with the mileage in the distance they, yeah. they like to make it a kind of a march rather than a it's also it's quite it just kind of root, it motors in the same sort of vein of you know uh, the march kind of reference it motors along doesn't mm. it <laughs> um and uh he's got he has got a powerful voice isn't he um i'm trying to think what else he did though apart from war he said that war and this song stop her on site you know that sos stop on site Oh, um, so the, the trap got sampled by Stockaken and Mortman by the Crooked Group called Got to Keep On. Okay, so he's had, he's had a bit of longevity with this, hasn't he? This song, um, yeah, uh, it was that da, 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 I got to keep on because yeah. that's the main riff in this, isn't it? I think my, my only issue with it is Jim is that it's not, it's not his biggest hit. <laughs> Not that that should be anything, not that should be anything to do with it. Um, then you could argue Blair's wasn't their biggest. No, hit. it wasn't their biggest hit. No, 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 not at all. The Cures wasn't their biggest hit. I think, but for for me, is my knowledge of Edwin Starr is limited to sort of those sort of songs. So I'm I'm kind of going purely now based on just the tune. I'm going to go down your argument. Like if I heard it, if I heard these two in a club, a bit like the Claimers. Yeah. Would, I, would I be up with respect and uh, marching on to 500 miles uh, or not? And I think with this tune, I'm definitely up more so than the, the police. So actually, yeah, I think it's better. Get in. So, yeah, there we go. That's it, we did it. Five nil. I think we did it, five nil. We haven't had a whitewash for a while. We haven't had a whitewash for ages. The only thing I'd say in Sting's defence here is and I think just to um because I like Sting. He might have named himself after a piece of ass, but I do like him. And I think in in future podcasts I should try and find some Sting songs to be better than other songs. Or we could get a, a Sting song to be a bass song that might have a better chance. Yeah, no, exactly. Five no, did you did, what were your other ones Because I, I had I um do you know, you mentioned Soul Roots, and I thought you were going to mention just then the last song, um, Benny King, Stand By Me. Oh, right, okay. No, I didn't I, think of that, because I thought that was the opposite of distance, I suppose. I suppose it's, yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, I had, I was interpreting that as ne next to you. Yeah. Standing by so it's, still a it's still a distance. Um, but I, ha I had Benny King that, and I also had, this was quite tame, the Step On by Happy Mondays, a step. Oh, uh, right. Gonna go away, and also Carol King, so far away. Which, uh, yeah, I've not, not mentioned her in the podcast. She's really, she's great. Um, I had "So Far Away from Me" by Dire Straits, and that, that that was one of the songs that I told you earlier. I hate. Yeah, it would have been a it would have been a difficult one. I'm not Knopfler's biggest fan, and I hate that song. We had so we had some people on um, Instagram. Yeah, they were actually all the stuff we can't mention. Five hundred miles came up quite a lot. Um, and a friend of the show, music, musical consultant Paul Lagadec, mentioned Eddie Cochran, Three Steps to Heaven. 
which is not bad. Uh, that's a good one, actually. Well, to rival Robert Smith's big hair, I had um, 80s power ballad, female soprano's heart with Alone. If ever there was a ballad, that's a ballad. And yeah, what was the other one I had? Uh, oh, Move Closer. I can't even remember who it was. But they didn't really make the grade, to be honest. No. I also had sorry, some songs that I didn't put in my uh, six that I had was um, actually some so- songs that I'd actually already mentioned in terms of the same title. Stand By Me by Oasis. Um, which actually I don't really mind, but it didn't, not enough to sort of put it there. And Close To You, The Carpenters. Just go back to Benny King. That's a wonderful tune. Stand by me. That's a great tune. Um, that's that. If, if that would have been just fairly straightforward to argue that it's better. It's, it's so simple. I love the fa- I love the double bass. I love the um, what are the drumstick, the wire drumsticks on um, the snare drum. Yeah, they're like brushes almost. But um, it's it's just it's a lovely song. That. You got the song, you got the film with it as well, Stand By Me, which is a brilliant, brilliant film. Um, and, and he's Ben E. King, not just Ben King, Ben E. King. Well, it's not Benny, like Benny Hill. It's not Benny Hill, no. <laughs> I love the fact at the end of the video where is it River Phoenix and Will Wheaton get up and start playing guitar and uh, yeah. thing in that awful kind And it, because it felt like it was in that film, but it was also used in the Levi's, uh, Levi's Jeans ad, wasn't it? It was one, it was like the, the first sort of one where we all used to wait for the new Levi jeans yeah. ad. Uh, and it was the first one, I think, in about 1986, probably, yeah. 87. It was the black jeans one, wasn't it, with the guy walking into the club and the sign said, no blue jeans. And he had his <laughs> Levi, uh, he, had his Le- he had his Levi black jeans on. And it was, uh, yeah, no, that, was a, that was a good ad. What next? Well, I think it's got to be the uh, the movie tune, doesn't it? Well, but we mentioned the first movie, Stand by Me, there, haven't we? So that's already a kind of a song we could have we could have mentioned. Could we could mention that could be our main song? Why, why don't we try? Because that's a great song. Let's do it. Let's find five better songs than Stand by Me by Benny King. So they've got to be in a film. They've got to be used in a film, and they've got to reference film title somewhere. Okay. Doesn't have to be in their title. It could be somewhere in the somewhere in the lyrics. I think most of them will be the main song for a film. There's a few obvious ones that are going to be tough call. If you've got any ideas, uh, let us know. Five Better Podcast. Um, all right, guys. Nice one. We'll, we'll, we'll see you soon. Next episode. Cheers. Bye. Five Better Podcast.